One morning I walked into a church, but it wasn't on a Sunday. I looked around and I saw the empty seats, the sun glistening through the dust in the air. At first I was distraught at the sight of the empty chairs, but then I was filled with joy. I realized that the people who were once in those chairs were now outside of the building, working at their jobs, serving in their communities, laughing with their co-workers and growing with their families. They had the opportunity to be the church, not just sit in it. When will we be like them? When will we see the opportunity given to us to be the hands and feet of Jesus, bringing hope into the world. Stained glass can't pray for the sick. These walls can't preach the gospel, but you can. The building you're sitting in is just a building. But if you trust in Jesus, then you are the church. You know, you're going to have your own interests that you have to be aware of, but also look to the interests of others. And so serving your city, at least this, uh, this, this book and this curriculum and this uh, series that we're in right now, is calling us to remember that. And it's, it's taking our focus and pulling it, <laughs> pulling it away and redirecting us to say, okay, what does God think about humanity? How does he view people? Because we view people a certain way. We can't help it. We're going we're gonna to see them through the lens of our experience, through the lens of our personality, uh, our political preference, whatever the case is. We're going to see people a certain way. And if we don't realign our vision or realign our heart with something greater, it's going to be left to the, that, that lowest common denominator, which is usually not all that great. Come on, y'all. You know what I'm talking about. We usually tend to, we reduce things. We, we, we tend to be critical of people. But whenever you read the word of God, it, it, it calls us to something different. And so we talked about God's heart for humanity. We talked about having eyes to see the needs around us and not just to see it, although that is important. That's the first step, being aware of where people are at, being aware of their condition. But that, that would produce compassion in our hearts and compassion that produces some sort of action. Compassion without action, I'm not really sure what it is. It's just some good thinking. How many of y'all know thoughts and prayers, right? Thoughts and prayers. It's like, you know, I'm really struggling with this, this, and that. Well, thoughts and prayers. It's like, well, are, are you going to come and help me get out of this situation? Or are you just going to like thoughts and prayer it up? I don't know. You know, sometimes it's like, I need you to come and help me out. And so compassion without action, it's lacking something. Now, we get the fact that we can't fix everything, but I was saying something this past week. I was talking about some situations that are going on in our city and, and, and people that are hurting, and I said this. I said, look, I know that we can't fix the problem. Let's be honest. There's certain situations that we're not going to fix, okay, 100%. But I tell you what we can do. We can affect it. We can make a difference. We can, we can tilt the degree a little bit, right? We can, we can bring people together. We could do a bunch of different things. We might not fix it. We're not going to see heaven on earth, right? But we can bring a little bit of heaven to earth, okay? That's what God has called us to do. And that's really what we're talking about today. And uh, so we talked about having eyes to see. We talked about prayer last week. 
Um, planning the serve, which is coming up on December 1st. We talked about the first step in that is praying. And also to let you know that everything that we talk about on a Sunday morning is uh, sort of being mirrored, but also, I guess, part two, if you would, is happening during the week in our small groups that we have here at Northwood Church. And so in that, every small group is gonna be participating in some sort of serve project that's gonna be on December 1st. And uh, here's the deal. If you're not in a small group, Maybe you just showed up and you don't know what I'm talking about. This is what you could do. Go to northwood.tv slash serve. And on December 1st, we're going to be doing these these serve projects and you can sign up to be a part of one of them. Um, We've got a few or a couple all over South Mississippi. Um, By the way, we've got three locations up in Wiggins, here in Gulfport and over in Long Beach. And so in Wiggins, uh, they're going to be serving a school up there, uh, the middle school here in Gulfport. uh, We've got a couple different ones, but we're going to be serving the uh, Gulf Coast Community Ministries as well as North Gulfport and then um, and a couple of other things going on. And then in Long Beach, uh, we're going to be serving in a uh, in an elementary school over there. So we're excited about it. But guess what? we got to all show up, okay? So our small groups are doing it, but if you're not in one, you can still sign up and show up, and it's going to be a great time. And one of the things that we say is we want to serve our community with no strings attached. Uh, Many times we get or we give to get, right? We serve to be served. But in this context, like, and and really as Christians, it should always be we just serve because we serve, (laughs) we're saved, so we serve. Like that's just, it's part of our, the dynamic of being uh, a Christian, a believer in Jesus is that as you read and as you're affected uh, by the story of Jesus, it just changes you from the inside out. We're gonna be talking a little bit about that today. And so anyway, just kind of give you guys a big picture of what's going on. Um, And we're in week uh, six, right? Is this six? I'm kind of miscounted. Six. Yeah, thanks. All right. I knew it was five or six or seven. I don't know. Um, again, <laughs> had a rough night last night. Uh, you ever eat something and you're like, you're questioning it as you're eating it. You're like, you know, I should probably stop. I should probably stop eating this, but I'm going to continue to eat it. And then you wake up at three, wake up at three in the morning and it's still with you. <laughs> yeah, you know what I'm talking about. Great night, great night of rest and relaxation. So um, anyway, week six. But look, uh, before we get into the meat of the message today, I do want to take a moment and I want to recognize some extremely important, special people in our crowd today. And uh, if you are a, a veteran of our military, would you go ahead and stand to your feet? We want to honor you in this place today. Come on. Yeah. It's awesome. And we want to thank you guys so much for serving and truly putting your whole life on the line for our freedom. And you guys know it, freedom ain't free. All right? The freedom that we enjoy, we just wake up in the morning and we just expect everything to be like it was yesterday. There's people that have laid it down in the past and are currently laying it down, laying their life down so that we can experience that. And uh, man, there, there's not a day go by that I don't think about that in some way, shape or form. Um, recently, I was driving on Highway 90 and I was passing through uh, Biloxi by Beauvoir. And, you know, growing up, I, I went to Beauvoir like a thousand times for field trips. I didn't care about it. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? When you're 10, you're just like, this is boring. You know, history is boring. And then you get older and you start appreciating it. And I was driving by that area and I said, it, it's so crazy that right now I am driving down this road. And not that long ago in the context of history, there was war. 
There was unrest. There was people that were hurt and, and you know, marching out and, and in different, different, you know, different ways at that time, of course, but people that were laying their lives down for what they believed in. And it's still the same thing today that people are doing that so that we can enjoy this. Right now, I'm not worried about the government coming in and shutting us down as we worship, as we talk, right? <laughs> we're just, we're enjoying this freedom. But yeah, but it's not that easy all over the world. It's not, it's not assumed. And uh, so we need to be grateful for where we live. I know that there's issues, y'all. There's issues, both sides of the party lines and blah, blah, blah. There's all this. I get it. And, and it's tough at times, but we've got to maintain our, our perspective and where we're at and the time that we live in. Uh, I'm excited to live in the United States. I love our country. And, uh, and so, yeah. But what I want to do is I want to pray over you who, who just stood up in this room and, uh, and thank you and pl- pray a blessing over you. But I also want to pray for this nation. We need prayer. Yeah. Come on. We need God to move in a great way. So let's pray together. Father, I thank you for every person in this place that has laid down their life and given their, their life for, uh, to, for the response to be in the military and to protect our freedom. God, we pray that you bless them. We pray that you protect them. God, emotionally, financially, in every way, shape, and form, their families. God, we pray that you would protect their families. Uh, God, who also pay a, pay a price for our freedom. God, we pray that you would protect them, that you carry them. God, for those that have gone before us, God, we thank you for their sacrifice. And Lord, we thank you for this, this nation. God, we do pray that you would affect this nation in a great way. God, we know that it has its issues. There's corruption. There's issues that are going on all over the place. But God, we thank you for where we live. And we pray that you would bless it. We pray that you would bless the leadership, that you would give wisdom, that you would expose things that are not right. And God, we do pray that there would be a revival in this nation where people would recognize you as as Lord and Savior and Creator. And God, help us to be a part of that. So today, challenge us in the part that we play in that. We open up our hearts to you today in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen, amen. All right. So serve your city, part six. Uh, last week, we talked a lot about 2 Corinthians 4. And this week, uh, this week we're going to lean into 2 Corinthians 5. And uh, the Apostle Paul, uh, let me explain who the Apostle Paul is. He is a man that used to persecute Christians, but at this point, he has converted over to Christianity in a crazy way. The people that he used to kill, now he's actually championing them and one of their greatest advocates for Christianity. And, uh, and so here he is, he's writing letters back to these churches that he had started at some point. So he'd travel around, start a church, turn it over, travel on, you know, start another church, but he would write these letters. And a lot of times it was instruction, sometimes it was correction, it was encouragement. He loved these people uh, greatly. And a lot of times you could hear it in, his, in the tone that he would write it, he, he missed them. So he loved them, and sometimes people would let him know what was going on in those churches that he had started, and it would grieve him because he's like, what are you guys doing? <laughs> when I was there, everybody's on the same page. We're all good. I've been gone for six months, and now, you know, hell's breaking loose. Come on, guys. What are y'all doing? And so anyways, in 2 Corinthians 5, just to kind of set up the verses that we'll be in, and then the verses that set up the meat of what really what we're here today to talk about. Uh, it says, he, he says this, uh, he's talking about going to heaven. He's talking about living by faith, not by sight, uh, which is easier said than done a lot of times, right? Uh, living by faith, not by sight. He says, our goal in life is to please God and that we're accountable for what we do in our earthly bodies and that we'll be judged accordingly. 
That's a big deal. The room kind of gets quiet when we start talking about giving account for how we live our daily life. Um, because it is, it, it, it raises the bar. It causes you to say, man, how am I living my, li- my life uh, as a steward of what God has given me? And then he says, because of this fearful responsibility to the Lord, fearful responsibility, which in one sense means respect, okay? A fear, like a, a, a good, healthy fear of God, it means you respect him. Um, But the other side is just straight up fear, (laughs) okay? Like God's sovereign and he's in control. And the thing that makes God's mercy and grace so so awesome and such a big deal is the fact that he's also, uh, I mean, the judgment of God, right? There's the judgment of God and the mercy of God matters because of the judgment of God. And so Paul is bringing kind of both at the same time Hey, hey, guys, remember that we're responsible for what we do and how we act um, to the Lord. Uh, and we are working hard to persuade others. Because it's a big deal, we think that it matters. And so we want to persu- persuade others to believe the same thing. And so um, I love how he also speaks. He says, look, if you think I'm crazy, it's to bring glory to God. So if, if I come off weird to you, it's because I'm, I love God and I'm, I'm bringing glory to him. He says, but if we're right, if what I'm saying is true, then it's for your benefit. All right, it's kind of like Pascal's wager, if you know what that is. He says, hey, look, I might be crazy. I don't think I am. Don't believe I am. But, but if I'm crazy, it's to bring glory to God. If I'm not, everything that I'm telling you matters a lot. It's a big deal. It's for your benefit, okay? So after he kind of sets up all these thoughts, he moves on in verse 14, and he says, either way, Christ's love controls us. As believers, the love of Christ is our motivator. It's what causes us to want to live the way that we live and treat people the way that we treat people or should treat people. It's the love of Christ. It's how we have been loved. It's how we want to extend that love. No matter the condition, no matter their societal status, no matter if they believe like you believe or act like you act, uh, one thing I always say is, look, every person that, that... breaks the law in a crazy way and does something just extreme where most of society looks down on them. And rightfully so, they should, in regards to the, pay, the, the payment that they should pay, right, the price that they should pay, it, that's one side of it. The other side is that at some point, that was a little girl or a little boy. That was a baby. What happened? What took place in that, in that person's life that caused them to go down that path? But what happens, we just end up with the end result and we talk about the end result and there's not, <laughs> what happened before that, that they would turn to that or that they would do that. Um, and, and that's how God really speaks about mankind. But, but he says, since we believe that Christ died for all, which again, all means all, everybody, no matter where you're coming from today, if you're in this place and you feel unworthy even being here, maybe you're the person that said, man, if I walk back up in that church, you know, God's going to strike me dead. That type of thinking, if you, if you feel like you're on that end of the spectrum or whether you feel like you're just, you got it going, like you're just all just good. Okay. No matter what, Christ died for all of you, no matter what the situation is. He says, we also believe that we have all died to our old life. A lot of times in the scripture, you'll see this, this concept of dying to self. And what that means is you take what you like to do and what you prefer to do, and instead of justifying it and making it fit into the context of the Bible, you die to that and you say, 
God said that he's displeased with that, and so therefore I'm not going to live that lifestyle. I'm not going to do that. Okay, now we're not talking about religion, doing that in order to attain righteousness. That's cart before the horse. But as a believer, you continue to move forward in your relationship with God by dying to self. It's the process of sanctification. If you read about that, it's the process of being made holy. And so we die to what we want to do in order to live for what God wants us to do. Does that make sense? All right, that's what he's talking about. Dying to self, your sinful desires. Verse 15, he died for everyone so that those who receive his new life will no longer live for themselves. Now, whenever he says those who receive his new life, he's talking about believers, He's talking about people who literally believe in the gospel, in the good news of Jesus Christ, and it becomes part of their life, a believer. A lot of people get caught up in feeling like they can belong to the body of Christ. I'm talking the body of Christ, believers. They are standing in righteousness as a, as a, a grafted in, adopted child of God without truly believing in what Jesus did and, and the, the sovereignty of God, the, the fact that Jesus was the Messiah. And that is deception. That is contrary to what the Bible says. And that is a type of thinking that leads to death. The whole concept that all religions lead to the same place is an error. We side with what the word of God says and we believe in that and therefore it discounts that way of thinking. So this whole universalist mindset that is really being pushed, that humanistic approach to Christianity is just not proper. Why? Because the word of God says something different. So those who believe in Jesus, they will no longer live for themselves. Instead, they'll live for Christ who, was, who died and was raised for them. Another verse says, Jesus says, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. And some people read it like this. If you love me, you'll keep my commandments, right? That, that tone. But there's another way to read that. There's another way to interpret that. And it's, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. It's sort of like, you know, as, as a spouse, like if you love your spouse, you'll respect them, you'll honor them, you'll treat them right, right? It, it's like, it's just like, a, it, it's both and. Doesn't mean you won't go through hard times. But if you love them, you stay committed. You, you, you go through those, and it's, it's both and, I get it, you know, man and woman together, right? They gotta work together. But if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. If you love me, you'll, this is what he says, they'll live for Christ. They'll do what was, what's right. Verse 16, so we stopped evaluating others from a, a human point of view. In this time, especially, people that were a Jew felt like they were a little bit higher than everybody else and honestly, they kind of were in a certain extent. They, they were God's chosen people. Come on. So Paul's like, hey, I'm a Jew. I'm a Jew of Jews. I'm, I'm like, he's like, I could boast in my, where I come from, my family line. I could boast in the, the, the intellect that I have, the degrees that I have. He's like, I could say a lot. But then he starts bringing this other thought. And he's like, look, it's not, it's not based on that. It's not based on your humanity, your family what you've accomplished, it's not, it's not based on any of that. We see people from a different point of view. It's one of the great things that I love about the body of Christ. I love the fact that in this room right now, there's some of you that you make a lot of money and there's some of you that barely make any money. But in this building, we're all equal. We're all the same. It's not like that in the world, okay? I'm just talking about one aspect of how we view people. 
It's not based on your business. It's not based on what you've accomplished. None of that. All of that just comes into line. Recently, I was talking to somebody that in the community, very prominent person, you know, high ranking, people know them, <laughs> right? And, um, but during the, at the movies, uh, they were walking around picking up popcorn that a lot of people left because they left their popcorn. Just, okay, anyway, it's a different story. But prominent in the community and in the body of Christ, they said, what can I do to help? Pick up popcorn, got it. Whatever the case, it's why? It's a different motivation. It's just a different way of seeing humanity and seeing your worth, okay? Your worth doesn't come from the things that you do. It comes from being a child of God as a believer. Y'all with me? He says, at one time, we thought of Christ merely from a human point of view. How differently we know him now. A lot of people thought Jesus was just a good man. He was a teacher. You know, he, he had some prominence in that time. Um, nowadays, some people still say, Jesus was a good man. He taught some good things. Like, he really was a good person, but he wasn't God. And let me tell you something. Either Jesus was God or he was insane. Just to let you know, there is no middle ground. Like, he said he was God like actually God, and he could forgive sin. Like he had that type of authority. So either by claiming that he was who he said he was, or he was nuts, all right? So don't buy into that train of thought. Like he's, he was a good man. Nowadays, if somebody's like, I forgive sin, we post them on Facebook and we ridicule them, okay? So I've seen that around lately, you know? You're not Jesus, he already came, okay? So we're moving on. But this means that anyone who belongs to Christ be, uh, has become a new person. The old life is gone. A new life has begun whenever you become a Christian. It doesn't just affect your Sunday mornings. It affects every day that you're alive. It affects your thinking. It affects your desires. It affects what you, what you do, but more because of what you want to do. And that changes something that I pray a lot. God, don't just change what I do. Change what I want to do. Change my desires, all right? Changing from the inside out, renewing of the mind where we are coming in line with who God is, not making him fit into what we want him to be. Verse 18, and all of this, everything that we just talked about, you know, who God is and, 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 and all of this is a gift from God. It's a gift, okay? So there's nothing you do to earn it. It's a gift, if somebody gives you a gift and after they hand it to you, they're like, eh? It's not a gift. You just bought something, okay? That's what you exchange something. We have nothing to offer, y'all. It's a free gift from God who brought us back to himself through Christ. I want y'all to get this. God brought us back to himself through what Jesus did. So whenever sin entered into the picture with Adam and Eve, y'all all know the story, we always blame them, you know, women blame men and men blame women. They were all wrong, okay? But if Eve hadn't, like, we'd be fine. So <laughs> just saying, there was one who did it first. And, uh, and then the man, he just didn't want to get in trouble. <laughs> so... He was actually just doing what was right, okay? And she did what was wrong. Anyway, that's, that's for another day. I'm just joking, by the way, if you're watching online, don't you know, like screenshot and record it and then say, anyway, error, don't go to Northwood. Um, at that moment, there was a break. There was a, there was a gap 
that was created between God and man, who he created. And so from that time on, there has, and, and really in a certain type of thinking, there still is a gap. Okay, Jesus has bridged that gap, but the gap is still there. He just made a way through Jesus. And what he did is he reconciled that relationship because God is holy. And what he did is he created this, this mediator. This, and that's what Jesus is. He's our mediator between God and man to where we could be in right, right relationship with him again. It's an, it's an awesome message. It's a huge deal. This is what we sing about. This is what we, we you know, love God. This is how we love God, by, by proclaiming this message. He bridged the gap. But then he says here, he's like, He's given us this task of reconciling people to him. The word task means task, right? Like, there's no way to get around it. Work, responsibility. He's given us this task of doing the same thing that Jesus did. It's a chain reaction. God united man back with himself through Jesus. Now Jesus, we're here standing in the, we're a link in the chain where we're helping other people be reconciled Back to God. It's a chain reaction. We're part of the process. God doesn't go around us. He can, but for whatever reason, again, we talk about it a lot, God chose to use us in the process. I think that Jesus did a great job and we should all just be good, right? Like, like just Jesus did a good job. Let's just lean on that. He's like, no, 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 no. Jesus said before he left, he said, I'm including you in on this process. I want you to go. I'll be with you, but I want you to go and teach people what I've taught you. Baptize them, add them to the body of Christ. Be faithful. I'll be with you. I'm going to send the Holy Spirit to empower you to do that, but it's going to be some work. And some of you are going to die for it. It's going to be tough, but stay faithful. He's given us this wonderful message of reconciliation. I did want to say this in verse 19. It says, for God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, no longer counting people's sins against them. I want you guys to, to picture sin a little bit different. Some of you, whenever I say sin, you only think about the things that you do. Like, the, like, oh, I, I lied and so I sinned, which there is a certain aspect of that is, that is true. But sin in itself is a much bigger core issue. It's something that we're born into. It's a condition that we're born into, but it wasn't part of God's original design for us. We weren't supposed to operate with sin in our soul. We weren't supposed to operate with death and all of the, that's why it's so foreign. It doesn't matter how many people pass away around you, you never get used to it. Why? It's foreign. It's not, we weren't, we weren't built for it. But it's part of our condition. When I get the flu, is the flu part of like who I am and what I'm supposed to live like? No, it's something that I have that I'm supposed to work through, hopefully, and get over and move on, man. It's tough, but it's a condition. Sin is a condition. God sees us separate from our sin. He loves us, okay? But it's something that we have, and that's why he made a remedy through Jesus. It's making sense. I'm, I mean, I'm breaking it down as like simple and looking at it from different angles. This is the message of reconciliation and this is what we call the good news, the gospel. That's what the word means, the good news of Jesus Christ. And this right here, whenever you receive it and you accept it into your life, this free gift, something inside of your heart clicks. It changes. You see things differently. Some things that used to mess with you don't, 
and other things that you never thought about, you constantly think about. It's a new purpose. It's a new calling. And he says, he gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation. Next verse says, so we are Christ's ambassadors. And this is where we're going to stay for the remainder of the time that we have today. So we are Christ's ambassadors. God is making his appeal through us. And we speak for Christ whenever we plead, come back to God. These are huge words. First off, he talks about being an ambassador. And let's just take it to the the U.S. ambassador level. There's a person that goes and lives in a foreign country and operates in a foreign country. And whenever they stand up and they speak, they represent all of the authority, all the military backing of the entire United States. They represent the power of the president. It's incredible. I would never want to be a U.S. ambassador. (laughs) I don't want to do most things if it comes to our nation, honestly. I love being a citizen of America. But that's a tough, why is it tough? There's a lot of responsibility in that. It is a task. It is something that you're carrying with you. But he calls us Christ's ambassador. Believers, as a believer, you are an ambassador. And the world that we live in is the foreign country. Our everyday life is a foreign country that we operate in. Do you guys, as believers, do you ever just wonder, like, how are people, how do they think that that's okay? Like, I don't understand. I feel like I'm, every now and then I'll be talking to the guys or whatever, and I'm like, I feel like I'm the only one that sees it this way. Maybe I'm wrong. You know, but if it aligns with the word of God, then I'm not wrong. I'm just different, which is the point. We are different. We think differently. It doesn't mean that we're weird. It doesn't mean that we can't operate in this life. It just means that at the end of the day, our, our code of conduct, the way that we see life is through the lens of the Bible, through the lens of the word of God, not through what we feel. And that's tough to really understand at times. Because naturally speaking, we're, we're in a tension. We're in a tension all the time between what we want to do. Paul talks about this. What we want to do and what we know we should do. We're in a tension. It's how we live our life every day. This is how I explain it. Our walk with God, this life that we live, is an incline. As a believer, you're living life on an incline. If you're, you're, you got the foot on the gas and you're moving forward with God and things are great and you're serving and you're yeah, to beat by and you just let off the gas, it's only a matter of time before you begin to coast backwards. It's our nature. About five years ago, I got braces put on. That's right. I was like 30 with braces. <laughs> all, all my brace people out there, I got, I got grace for you. I know it's painful. I had braces twice in my life. Once when I was 12. I'm not sure what the guy was thinking long term. Made some bad choices. In my 20s, I needed braces again. My, my teeth were cracking because my bite wasn't right. It was all messed up. So I got braces again. And you know what's crazy about teeth is that they always go back to some sort of natural position. That's not, I mean, you, you, you restrain them into a, they're like this. And then you stop wearing your retainer and what happens? Like they just, they just do it. It just happens. There's no getting around it. And what do you do? You have to restrain those teeth. Hey, y'all, we might be believers. We may believe in Jesus, but it, y'all, this is a spiritual battle. This is a fight to maintain the ground that we take. 
It's a, it's a fight. And so, so if you think that Christianity is, is always easy, being an ambassador is always a, just, I'm an ambassador. It's not. Sometimes you're bleeding. Sometimes you're maimed. Sometimes something happens in your life and you don't understand that doesn't reconcile. Like with, with what I thought about God, it doesn't reconcile with it. And so now I'm having trouble with my faith. Sometimes it's hard. Look, y'all, martyrs. We're ambassadors. Wonderful people who believed in Jesus and they laid it all down, burned at the stake for what they believed in. In our culture, we think that's insane. I really don't believe anybody should be burned at the stake for what they believe in. But they did it. They were ambassadors unto death. We don't have to worry about that right now, currently in our nation. It's a blessing. Being an ambassador doesn't mean that it's always just easy. Sometimes it's a great fight. But as an ambassador, as a representative of Christ to people, which is what we are, I believe that there's three virtues of a good ambassador, okay? We can be ambassadors. It doesn't mean that we're a good one. So what's three things that apply to us that we should do as we go and represent Christ to people? Number one is that to be a good ambassador, you have to know the heart of your authority. You gotta know the heart of the, how do you know the heart of somebody? You spend time with them. You talk with them. There's a communication that takes place and you learn about who they are to where you understand where they're coming from. It's the first thing with us representing Jesus is that we've got to know his heart. We've got to understand his ways to the best of our ability. There will always be a gap between things that happen and like God's ways of doing things and our ways of doing things. Like sometimes we're not going to be able to reconcile at all. But we have to know the heart of God. A couple of great ways to know the heart of God is by reading the word of God. You've been in church for a while. You're like, okay, here's the read your Bible and pray more talk. Yep, here it is. Why? The word of God is the heart of God put on paper that we can read and ingest into our mind and our hearts. It's important. It's very difficult for you to know how God operates if you don't read the Bible. It's very difficult. The best thing that you could kind of hope for is some sort of watered down version of it that may get you through, but it doesn't truly sustain you with, like, I'm talking strength. You'll, like, understand a little bit. You'll, you'll coast off of what you get in here, which this is good. We're talking a lot about the word of God and, and breaking it open. But you end up, again, you end up coasting from, from Monday through Saturday, and you come in, and you're like, I need water, water. And you get a little bit, and you go out. Long term, you're malnutrition. And there's going to be things that happen on Thursday, Friday, or Saturday that you don't have the strength to endure. Why? Because you don't know what the heart of God is. You're not including him in the process. Another way is prayer. We talked about it last week a lot. If you didn't hear it, go listen. Prayer. The way I picture prayer is that we're constantly tethered to God, like a cell phone. You know what I'm talking about? There's always communication that's going on. It's not this, it's not just sit in a chair for 10 minutes, pray, and then never act like God's around the rest of the time. God says, acknowledge me in all of your ways and I'll direct you. We talked about that. Prayer and reading the word of God. We have to know the heart of our authority before we can do number two, which is to know the heart of the authority, to use wisdom to represent their authority properly. Okay? I want you to picture this. Imagine the U.S. ambassador, here he is, talking to the president. And the president's like, I want you to do one, two, three. I want you to offer one, two, three in a diplomatic way 
And if they reject all of these, then come back and we'll go from there. You know, like do that for me. Imagine that ambassador rolling up, talking to the president of another nation and saying, if you don't do one, two, three, it's going to be bad news, man. I'm just letting you know. <laughs> right? Those words, the tone, the action that was taken by that ambassador could create a war that is completely unnecessary. And guys, look, I'm, I'm going to be honest. A lot of times the church is fighting battles and saying things misrepresenting Jesus. And they think that they're representing who Jesus is. But whenever you really take a step back and you look at how Jesus interacted with people who did not believe in the message that he was bringing, that didn't believe in God, he was compassionate. <laughs> he was loving. He was not weak. It's not what I'm talking about. He did not compromise his beliefs. He did not compromise his morality. But he went out and he represented true righteousness in front of people who had never seen it and didn't know it. That's what Jesus did. And, and what happens nowadays is a lot of times it's all about what we're for. And I, I mean, what we're against, not what we're for. We're, we're against this and we're against that. And a lot of times it's, it comes from what I said earlier. How could people think that way? How could they not? And then we get up in arms about those things. Here's the deal. We say this a lot. I think it's a very important statement. Don't expect people who don't know God to act like they do. Right? It makes no sense. <laughs> God has revealed Jesus to us through the Holy Spirit. And we've, we've got this great faith in his grace. It's a miracle in our life. And it's opera. It's changing us. It's taken us 10 years to get where we're at, right? And then we go up to somebody who has no exposure or who has had the wrong exposure to who God is. And we're like, why don't you think like me? Do what I do. And if they don't do it in three months, we're like, bah, they're not really, they're not really seeking God. They don't really. It's like, what is that? The best word I got is spiritual pride. That's the best word that I can put around it. We talk about pride a lot, but there's a spiritual pride. It's like I've attained some sort of level and now I'm over you or, or you know, follow me as I follow Christ and it's not for the weak of heart. Actually, it's exactly who it's for is the weak, right? Because in our weakness, that's where God makes himself known and it shows his strength. We got to come from the right angle, y'all, to use wisdom to represent Christ properly. And that's what we in are, we're endeavoring to do. We're, in, we're, 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 we're trying our best to communicate who Jesus was and now who he is because it matters. But we have got to know that right so we can go and represent it right. We've got to be good ambassadors. But then number three is this. We have got to have the character to carry that responsibility. As an ambassador, you've got to have character. You've got to know the heart of your authority. You've got to represent that properly. Use wisdom, tact. But then you've got to have character to carry that out long term. Anybody can do anything for a couple of years telling you. It's really not impressive. Well, I've been doing this for two years. It's like, all right, can you do it for 50? Right? It's like, I've been married for six months. You don't even know what marriage is yet. Okay. <laughs> Let's just be honest. Right? Can you do something for a long time? Because that, that's where your character begins to get tested. 
The Bible talks about different types of soil. And as those, those plants begin to grow, it's correlating it to our belief in God and our faith, that, that there's some that it just falls in stony hearts. It just never even takes root, changes nothing, nothing happens. There's other that are, it's stony ground and, and it kind of grows up, but it doesn't have proper nutrition and it just fades. And then there's others that it's decent soil, but what happens is all these other thorns and thistles and vines and whatnot come in and choke it out. And it's like the distractions that we live in day and day. Y'all, don't think that sin is the only thing that can destroy your relationship with God. Good things can. Positive things. Good, I mean, you know, you can have kids. They're great, right? Start making them an idol in your, in your family and see what happens to your marriage, right? Kids are good. Can it ruin your marriage? Absolutely. The kids don't, okay? You guys get what I'm saying. You're like, he said kids ruin marriages. <sighs> That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying if you don't do it the proper priority, you don't do it in the right way, it can. You get rid of the kids, you know, they, they go to college, they leave, and then all of a sudden you're left with, who is this person I don't know? And what happened? The life of that marriage got sucked out. What happens in our walk with God? We start doing a lot of good things. Some of you, you've been a Christian for a long time. You were doing a lot of good things, but you, you left out the relationship side, and then eventually the, the trying took over, and then you lost the why. And I get it. I've been there been there many times. You lose the why, you lose the focus, and then it loses all, all, all the power. We've got to have the character to carry the call of being an ambassador. I want to show you a video right now, and, it, and what it is, it's a, it's a ministry that we support here at Northwood Church, and um, I love it because some people in our community that, community that have been doing something for a very long time, they've been doing it well, and they've been helping people been giving, giving them the resources to overcome. And uh, we're honored to be able to support them and come alongside them and what they're doing. Uh, but the thing I love about it is how long they've been doing it, how long they've been helping people. And I, I want it to challenge us. So let's go ahead and show that, that video. I took a neighbor in 1964 to a home up in Georgia called the Victory Home. My wife and I, Miss Reed, took her husband up there. I bet in the living room of that old big house with 25 alcoholics seeking help. And as I sat there and looked at these men, my heart burned within me. I wanted to help those men. And I knew there were thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of other men and women like those men. We left the core and started back toward Atlanta. Before I ever got to Atlanta, I said to my wife, that's what I want to have. I want to have a home like that. I'm going to call it the home of grace. I knew the best was yet to come. My wife and I started the home of grace January the 2nd, 1965. With 10 acres of land, a small trailer, no budget, no money. One man that came out from the Singing River Bridge and asked for help. Today, the Home of Grace has 34 staff members, modernized facilities, and on the drawing board, blueprints and dreams far beyond anything I ever dreamed of. And for the Home of Grace, the best is yet to come. Love it. People that have laid down all they have 
A lot of times we're looking for some grandiose thing for God to tell us to do, like, you know, and we discount all these small beginnings because we're waiting for the big one. A lot of times the big one comes from doing the small first. That's what he said. He's like, I just, I want to help somebody. I want this there. How can we start? How can we get this thing going? And now, you know, honestly, there's a lot of you in this room today that you've gone to Homes of Grace or maybe you know somebody that has and, and they're equipping people, helping them, trying to give them a, a head start on recovery. Who would have known 30 years ago that we would have such a battle on our hand in this nation in regards to addiction in just an incredible way? God knew at that time that there would be, need to be something established today for somebody to come to and get some help. But they had to carry that call for a long time. I honor the people in this church that you've carried the call, the responsibility here at Northwood Church for years. Some of you before, you know, me and my family even got here back in the early 80s and you, you built Building 2 and you supported it financially, you supported people with your time. And then here we are, you know, 2018, a growing church helping people know God. But it comes from people doing something well for a very long time. Are you that person? Are you that person that can stand and say, I'm an ambassador of Christ? And being an ambassador doesn't mean you're perfect, okay? But it does mean that you're, that you're surrendered, you're submitted, that you're, hey, if I, if I stumble, I step right back up, repent, move on. Do you have the character? I believe that God wants to continue to challenge our character to be more like Jesus. Not just to be justified and to say, I believe in Jesus and, and now check that off. But because of that, enter into this process where we are consistently desiring to know God more and understand him more. And because of what he's done in our life, we wanna see other people's lives changed. It's a cycle. It's something that, it's a task that we've all been given. So if you're a believer in here and you believe in this message and, and you've accepted this into your life, you've got great responsibility. You've got next steps built in. By saying you're a follower of Jesus, you said, this is for me. I am an ambassador. This task of reconciling people to God, I am part of it. It might look as simple as talking to the people that you work with. Letting them know that you go to church in the first place. How about that? Some of you, that'd be the first step. Yeah, I go to church. Huh? I would have never thought. And hopefully they'd say that because you're just such a good person and you're real and you don't like hammer the Bible over their heads. They'd be like, wow, I didn't even know that. But that makes sense. That's why you're such a fabulous human being, right? There's that. <laughs> the other side is like, you're a horrible person. I would have never thought that you go to church. Whew. That would be a bad ambassador. We're talking about being a good ambassador, representing Christ well. There's something some of you have majored in that you thought was a big deal when it comes to your relationship with God or what it means to be a Christian. And you've actually been deceived into believing into something that's not even sin. But the, the enemy has distracted you to focus your attention on stuff that doesn't even matter and miss all the stuff that does. You focus in on people from the wrong perspective and God's calling you to look at people from a different angle. One that's motivated by love and compassion. That's motivated by, by wanting to reconcile them to God. Not force them. Today, I mean, at this church, we, we say we help people know God. We don't force people to know God. I'm not gonna grab you by the wrist and it's not gonna do any good. But we're gonna talk about it. We believe in it. We're gonna offer support and help. And that's what we're doing right now. 
because some of you don't even believe in God. You've come into this place, you might be an atheist, you might be far from God. Maybe you kind of believe, but it doesn't affect anything in your life. I wanna invite you to a relationship with God, something that is real, something that affects who you are. It's not religion. It's something that literally, it's in your heart, it's in your life, Monday through Saturday as well. I wanna invite you to that. Before I ask you to, to bow your heads and close your eyes, I wanna make sure that each of you know that God does love you, that he is for you, that he's not against you. And that if you have these thoughts and these feelings of being unworthy, and I know I talked about it earlier, being unworthy, that is not the heart of God. He is not speaking that to you. He convicts, but conviction has hope attached to it. Condemnation says it's who you are. There's no getting out of it. You're stuck and you give up. Conviction says this is your current situation, but there's hope on the other side of this. And that's what God's pointing you towards today. So let's bow our heads and close our eyes. And what I'm gonna do, I'm gonna pray. And if you're in this place and you know that you're far from God, but you wanna start a relationship with him today, you wanna say yes to following Jesus, and even if you thought you, that you were an ambassador at some point, that you were representing Christ, but you realize today that you've been caught up in religion, but it hasn't been affecting who you are. And today you wanna kind of recommit, include yourself in this prayer as well. You don't have to say exactly what I say, but let's just pray to God and let him change you. Father, we come before you. And God, I'm humble before you. I surrender all that I am to you. God, I've been trying really hard been doing things that I thought were going to lead to some sort of righteousness and it's leading me down this dead end where I keep trying and I keep failing and today I give up. I give you my successes, the things I'm good at. I give you my failures, all the things that I've failed in and all the things I'm bad at. I give it to you, Lord. I give you my heart, give you my life and I ask you as the Bible talks about to clothe me in righteousness, to make me right with you, reconciling me with you that's what I ask. You said you would do it. You said it's a free gift and I lean into that right now and I accept this message of who Jesus is. Thank you for your goodness. Thank you for your grace for me. I repent, I turn from my wrong thinking, from my improper way of living and I turn to you. Thank you for making a way where there was no way through Jesus. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. If you just made that decision, let me be the first to say congratulations. The decision to follow Christ is just the beginning of your relationship with God, and we'd love to help you with your next few steps. We're one church in multiple locations. We have a campus in Gulfport, Wiggins, and in Long Beach, Mississippi. If you're in one of those areas, we'd love to see you at one of our live services. You can visit our website, northwood.tv, for service times and directions. Thanks for joining us today. We'll see you next time.